better teams with Southern Cross Leadership Solutions and host Garrett Harrell. Welcome everybody to uh, what is the first ever uh, yet to be named Not a Podcast with me, Garrett Harrell, as your host. I'm the president and principal consultant of Southern Cross Leadership Solutions, and we help companies build and sustain uh, badass teams so they can achieve any mission. My partner in crime today is Mr. Jody Fletcher, executive coach, happily average surfer, and owner-operator of E5 Professional Coaching. And Jody helps executives focus on self-awareness and generally be better leaders for their people. And uh, as anyone knows, I really like to surround myself with people who are smarter and better looking and much cooler. And I've accomplished that today with Jody and our guest, which we'll get to in a minute. But Jody, you and I, we've done this from the other side of the table a couple of times. That's right. Yeah. It's different now, right? It is different. Yeah, absolutely. If, yeah. It's uh, more pressure maybe, right? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of pressure there. That's right. Uh, we really need to think about a name for this. I have a couple of ideas, um, but I haven't put a lot of thought into it. So we got to figure that out. I like um, the no podcast. It is. It is not a podcast. Not a podcast. We, we, ha- we must. Yeah, we must say it's not a podcast. There will be video and audio to this that are, that are available for everyone to listen to. Um, but yeah, it's different. A little bit more little bit more pressure um, we have a third leg to this to this tripod as well and she's not with us today but she will be here at some point in the future um, she's extremely busy yeah and there was a great lesson learned with that this morning uh, you know I thought Murphy was only a military <laughs> yeah. uh, member you know Murphy's law whatever can go wrong will go wrong but apparently Murphy uh, Murphy's got civilian clothes too oh man yes yeah. Murphy's so. been and un, not a friend of mine for, for many years now. That Murphy. Murphy was almost my friend this morning as well. Uh, luckily, luckily, I was able to make this. Abs- yeah, I yeah. mean, can't imagine. Then yeah. I would have been holding it down by you myself. Would, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> because we wouldn't have been able to shift. That's right. Uh, there's been commitments that have been made, right? <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, we yeah. could have had a picture of you, you know, and then... Uh, oh, that's actually... Yeah. We need to get cardboard cutouts definitely just in case for the future and had we had we actually been smart at planning this we would have had one of joe and she would have been here in spirit in yeah, spirit absolutely yeah had to your budget yeah absolutely <laughs> or else we'll run amok yeah so so i do so let's get started so super excited so for everybody that is listening uh the concept of this is that you know between the work that jody and i do we love for companies to just be better we love for people to be better everything starts and ends with people um jody focuses in at the upper level with the c-suite i like to work with the foundational teams so hopefully we're a match made in heaven and um, everyone that we bring into the room is going to talk about an aspect of just being better uh, as people, as coworkers, as colleagues, as an, and as an organization as whole. So let me introduce our first guest, who I'm hugely excited to have today, is Ann Gardner. So Ann is the Chief Executive Officer of Cape Fear Realtors, which is a local trade association representing more than 3,400 real estate professionals in Wilmington and the greater Cape Fear region. Um, 
However, Ann's experience as an executive is, is far more extensive. Um, she was also at the helm of professional and trade organizations in the D.C. area as well as Central Virginia. She is a patriot and a Hokie. Those are mascots, in case you're not tracking. Um, she attended George Mason University, and she has an MBA in organizational leadership from the Pamplin School of Business at Virginia Tech. Um, she does give back to the community as a volunteer and mentor for several local area programs. And to highlight that, a fun fact about Anne is she is a proud dog mama of therapy dogs, one Labradoodle, one Golden Doodle, who are trained to work with children of special needs. And she visits um, those children throughout the community in order to provide therapy via those, those dogs, which I would love to be able to meet someday. We Welcome, Anne. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be <laughs> part of your of your launch in that regard. Yeah. It's always exciting when you take on new new tasks, new challenges. Absolutely. So, um, so I met Anne for for people that are that are following. I, I, I met Anne through the Leadership Wilmington cohort for the 2022 cohort that is currently in session, and Anne and I we hit it off, and we've had a couple of conversations since then. And I know that there is a subject that is very important to her, and that is what we're going to talk about today. Um, that subject is culture. So, Ann, I have a friend. His name is Mike Kelly. He's the CEO of a company, and he told me that as CEO, he has three jobs. First job is to set the vision. The second job is to start pouring the foundation for the culture. And the third job is to get the hell out of the way. Absolutely. He's a smart man. <laughs> so let's let's go there. So let's, and culture, let's talk about it. Absolutely. Well, as I think, you know, the, the management axiom from um, Peter Drucker, foundation of management, is that, you know, we all know this. And if you've spent any time in the seat of, of having the opportunity to lead an organization and motivate and take everyone in a direction, is that culture is going to eat strategy for lunch hmm. every single day, ending in why. And it is unrelenting. And if you forget that lesson and need a reminder, it will be swift and coming for you in that regard. And so it is, I would say, uh, quite like your friend Mike, in that when I tell people what is your job, people think that my job primarily is advocating, speaking at events, writing articles. I do all of that. But the most important job I have is the care, tender, and development of the other 13 professionals back at my team because everything moves through their efforts, not my efforts. And so that's how I start every day. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Um, so what would you say, so what three words would describe your ideal company culture? I would say supportive, dynamic, and energetic. That is the ideal in my world for how we want to move through. We want work to be purposeful. We all want, no matter what we're doing, to earn our dollars. We want it to be something where we can come away at the end of the day, the end of the week, maybe the month if it's a longer project, and we're just able to say, I made a difference. And especially in association work, that is true, because we are often drawn to our particular organizations because we believe in their mission, we believe in what they're doing and their goals, and we want to see them achieve that. Does, what a, does this ring true or does it is it is it comparable to things that happen in your line of work Jody yeah absolutely you know I think culture you're right is absolutely the foundation uh, of everything and the question I would have for you is how would you know if you walk into an organization how do you know if they've got great culture by silence 
if there's silence, there are problems. And it is, it is like a, a Rubik's Cube, if you will, of trying to solve it. You don't do it by taking one angle. You have to surround it. Mm-hmm. You have to change. Sometimes you have to go in one direction, back up, change course. And so if you're a problem solver, then the silence will be that first indicator, at least in my experience, that culture, culture is something that needs some effort and some work. So then what would be that first step that you would take if you walk into a silent organization, so to speak? To me, that means that trust is what's missing, first and foremost. And so trust is something that has to be invested every day in little bits. It can't be done with a grand speech or gifts or some, or some sort of other um, hokeyism, for lack of a better term. It's got to be done through getting to know people sharing of yourself you know that's one of the big ways that i communicate is that i share an awful lot more than i'm actually comfortable sharing and the team at this point knows this but they understand that that is one of the ways that i extend myself to them is to have that vulnerability that openness with them and to then just give it the time that it needs and when you do hear take action right away and i would say that's one of the areas where I have had to learn over time is that I have often perfected the being the patient listener, but I need to work more on taking action as soon as I hear. As soon as I'm starting to get that feedback, I need to take action because what I've realized is they're waiting. They're waiting. When someone's starting to bring that forward to you, that is their vulnerability and their trust. It's not something to put in a suggestion box it's an actual concern or problem. No matter how it's wrapped in whatever language they're using or however they're bringing it to you, it's a concern. And so that's something I've learned over time. So as far as the culture words that you used earlier, supportive, dynamic, and energetic, that would be in the supportive role. Uh, Is that, uh, I guess, accurate in the sense of supporting your people and supporting them in the things that they need? Absolutely. You know, when I when I came to the role I'm in now, I've just celebrated my second anniversary this summer, is that we had a lot of talented people that were not necessarily in the right seat. And so in order to bring them into areas where I've had assessed their talent was a conversation of trust. And I had to let these individuals who I was asking to move into new roles know that they were going to be supported. They were not being set up to fail. They were going to be a star, and they were going to be given time to develop. Part of the support is in anyone who happens to be on our team and hears this uh, later, (laughs) wherever it ends up living, they will know this because I always say it takes a year to learn your role in the type of organization that I have the opportunity to lead because there are many things that we do only once in a calendar year. And so you don't have that opportunity to rinse and repeat and say, well, I didn't get it right this time. So the, the dialogue for support needs to be a really long thread in our work that we do. It's interesting you say that. I, I was actually, I think, in session with a client last night who's C-suite and is working on a cultural change. And at one point, we were talking about, you know, the speed at which you can change culture. And you mentioned earlier that it cannot happen overnight. And I was having a very similar conversation with this person last night um, about, you know, just being patient 
and that it's it's exactly what you said. It's that those small moments of trust that you have to continue to build before that culture will really start to turn around. Absolutely. And I learned that the hard way. You know, as executives, we we are often promoted or given these opportunities to move into these roles because we are people of action Mm -hmm. and we accomplish and we're usually very driven individuals, tad perfectionistic or whatnot (laughs) along the way. But then you then you immediately work yourself out of the job, you know, and you have to learn the new job and the new job requires completely different skill and pacing. And so with with that. I am, if you will, the uh, the coxswain. You know, mm, we've yeah. got to make sure. Sometimes the pace goes faster, sometimes it slows down. But in the beginning, it had to go slow. And if I ever tried to speed it up, take a pivot, start bringing some of my natural energy and into the mix, if individuals weren't ready, I knew that day that it was too soon. They were not ready. We were we were moving too fast. Yeah. So a couple of so a couple of keywords, I think that have been discussed so far that are that are very important and people need to understand the difference. So vulnerability, so the, the trust that you talk about as being the foundation of getting that culture established. Vulnerability is the key component to that. Um, and then role. Uh, and I think role is interesting because role does take a while to figure out because role is, is truly the value, right? The value that you're bringing to an organization. A lot of people confuse it as the day-to-day duties that you're assigned to do, but, you know, that's just a job. Your role is, is how you're bringing value um, and how you can see that value in others so you can tap into the resources and the assets that you need through others in order to, to achieve more. Which So it leads me to a question. As someone who obviously wears many hats um, as, the, as the chief executive, so wh- who do you lean on to, to, help, this, to help, help culture take root? That's an excellent question because I think many times we as executives think that we have to have every answer, every solution. A lot of times you're appointed by a board of directors and you have a leadership team of volunteers who are also looking to you to have every single one of those answers, and it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I said this probably when I first became a CEO 11 years ago, that I will not be the source of all, but I will work every day to be the source of the source. And so keeping that in mind and understanding that when there are opportunities to really move forward, I can't expend all of my energy as the one person knowing where the ship needs to go, that there have to be others engaged. And I have to be willing to look outside of the organization in order to do that. One particular area that I've benefited from is with a peer group, I'm part of local associations all over the country within the realtor organization. And I've often said, if you're not successful, it's because you're not willing to pick up the phone. And so you have to be able to reach out. And so some colleagues and I formed a group that we have named Alloy. And so anybody that knows the properties of metals and go back to your chemistry, an alloy is stronger than any of the individual elements alone. And so that is the premise of this. And so this group is a lifeline in that regard. And we don't know everything. Yeah. But we do reach out oftentimes to professionals like yourselves and say, we've got this particular challenge and everything I have in my toolbox is not working, so what am I missing? But ultimately, if we just keep that in mind and stay flexible, that's really how, how I affect that. That's awesome. I love the idea of having uh, 
a group like that. And I love the, the idea of the name Alloy. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, as you develop culture and you try to get this stuff going, you know, as you see, you know, how do you determine when you, you can see either either hiccups that are turning into snowballs, so to speak, or like when maybe potentially a crisis starts setting in? And, 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 and how do you respond? When I'm, when I'm seeing it in the office, particularly among um, what I would call my directors, my, my chiefs, and I'm seeing by the time there's open conflict, there have been many times where we've missed a signal along the way. And so it's a matter of putting a pause button on it, having everybody take a breath, reassess what their role is, to go to your point about role. They have to understand that their role is collaborative mm-hmm. on a small team like ours, yeah. that they are not individual task oriented, that everyone is not in the building to help them complete the task they have in mind for the day, that it is about collaboration in that regard. And so for me, it's about coming back together, letting them understand that, getting the conversation going. It really, every time just about, it is communication, not personality. And that's where the vulnerability ties in as well, right? Knowing that everybody in the office is vulnerable enough to say, okay, we had this, you know, kind of flare up. Let's almost sit down and dissect it and and figure out where it started and, and how we can move forward from it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't have to get everybody to sit in the room and talk about their feelings and, you know, talk through their spirit animal or what, whatever the, the latest trend right. is on that. <laughs> it's just about let's be honest with where did this go wrong for you? Where did this go wrong on your side? What do we all need? What is our goal? And really just getting everybody to reframe that conversation of why are we all here in the workplace today? And what's the project? Yeah. Who's it benefiting? And, and, you know, one of the things I've found when I'm working with clients and, and it's a lot of, you know, they, 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 and I always ask them, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, what's your part in it, right? <laughs> and it's definitions a lot of times. So if if it's, um, I don't know, whatever the issue is, um, you know, success, let's say about, well, what's, what's your definition of success and what's their definition of success? And, you know, many yeah. times they'll say, well, I don't know what their definition of whatever the issue is, right? And I said, well, that's that's probably a good place to start because so yeah. many times if you define something one way and I define it another and we're both, you know, upset or talking, we're literally just talking past each other. That and once so we each know, you know, the other person's oh, yeah. definition, then we're yeah. off to the races. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that is so true. As a matter of fact, I had a very similar situation a few months ago and we sort of developed among the director's team a phrase, what does done look like? And everyone, when they're starting a project, needs to say, this is what it looks like to me. Because we had one of those issues where folks were talking exactly past one another. And you say, okay, how did this breakdown occur? It's a really straightforward project. It's something that has a short window. It has a liftoff of less than four weeks. Where did we go off the rails with it? And so we've learned, and we're just starting this, actually, on our team, of what does done look like. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe there's yeah. a better way to say it. Maybe the professionals here with me can, can give me better terms. I but would say what we works. We just made that up. Right. right? What works. Yeah. But, that, but that, that goes back to even things that we've talked about in the past. But that just even asking that question, that is part of the norming process, right? And that's something that is, is absolutely required 
uh, to make sure that you can you can move move beyond obstacles uh, and when you need to branch and sequel, uh, you know, and move elsewhere. But yeah, like just if it works, it works. But just having that question, which now everyone can define and and come to a collective agreement, because we need collective agreement, is is man. That's, that's one of those rules of engagements that we've talked about in the past. Well, especially in a multifunctional oh, kind yeah. of environment, right? Done to me as the, the finance person means I've got the, the budget for the project completed, right? But done to the person handling logistics means I've got the money and then I've ordered everything. So, you know, when different people are saying, hey, I'm done, it doesn't mean the same thing for right. everyone. All right. You know, and, and one of the things I've recommended to to you know, many people is sometimes you just have to put a, a chalkboard up or a, a whiteboard and you know actually define things so that everybody can look at it and say, okay, well, that's the definition we're all going with. And so then when we're discussing the issue, we're all on the same sheet of music. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's probably where we're we're just starting to get to that point. So we're we're not by no means are we you know winning winning in the culture scenario. It's it's absolutely an evolution for us right now yeah i mean and you know you I, I often go back to like situations with family or my daughter you know and if, if i say to my daughter hey you know babe clean your room okay well then i go in and she's cleaned her room but you open the closet and it's like something out of a bad movie where it falls right but it's it's again coming down to what's the definition of clean right, room exactly, yeah and to her it's i can look in there and see everything is off the floor see carpet that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But to me, it means that everything's organized in the closets as well. So, um, you know, yeah, it's defining things is, is huge. It is. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a really great point. Um, out of curiosity, what is a culture that you are trying to build to? And is there an example? So we understand like the words that you have descriptor, but in the past, right, you, you're You've got experience as as the CEO. Um, is there is there a culture that you've seen, and and even if it exists in a different organization, something that's appetizing and something that you don't necessarily want to mimic, but a but kind of an example that you would like to move to? Absolutely, and I I keep a group picture of this team in my office as a reminder that eventually we will we will be as strong as this team that I was part of at one point. And so and it took few a few stops and starts. So and it was yeah. so I I look at that team and I think about how committed those individuals were to one another. And when I see that photo, what I see is commitment and support and everyone being aligned, <clears throat> excuse me, going in the same direction. So yeah. Another another keyword commitment. So we talked about trust, and and you alluded to it, and we didn't actually say the word. But when you have trust, right, and you you're coming, you you start having conflict. That trust helps you conflict. We're both fans of of Patrick Lencioni, right? Um, so the five dysfunctions, but commitment is next on next next on the the list of hierarchy, right? As you start moving up that pyramid that Lencioni talks about. But commitment, and we we've, we've talked about it. Uh, is really the defining characteristic of what separates a team from being high-performing to a team just being effective. And it's commitment across the board. And 
you can see it, right? Like, I mean, I was, I was, you know, in my past, I was a member of several teams, and I can literally look at pictures like that, and I can see the difference of the teams that I felt met the criteria to, to be high-performing versus, versus those that were still very highly effective. Um, and it really it boils down to commitment, and that commitment also translates, though, into um, relationships, though, personal relationships, right? No, absolutely. And it's interesting you say that because I can, I can picture that as you describe it, that you, you probably have pictures of different teams and whatnot in, in your home or in your office or whatnot, and you see that. And so for me, it's important to draw on experiences I've had, not necessarily look at an organization that I'm not in, because you never really know it until you're part of it. You just don't know what those <laughs> dynamics are. And so there was a team I was part of in the Northern Virginia area for about 10 years. And there were some of the most learned, brilliant individuals, large team, 36 staff. You know, I was one of the co-leads of that, of that group. However, no one had the level of trust and engagement that was really needed. When I look back on that experience with that group, and I really cut my teeth in management with this group. And so, and I benefited well. I started as a, a junior manager and you know, moved along, had a lot of great training, got my MBA while I was with this organization. And so had a great opportunity to put some things into practice, but you just said it, it's the commitment. We weren't all committed in the same direction. Yeah. Not, not through any fault of the leader of that team, but it just was not something that was present. Everyone was an individual star. They competed with one mm. another. They were rewarded individually. And so there were really high-performing aspects, but you were brought up as an individual winner. It was not a collective. And that was one of the lessons I brought when I had the opportunity to become a CEO of a small organization in Central Virginia, is that it needs to be a collective. Yeah. And, and it took stops and starts, you know, and it, and it takes sometimes people moving roles, like I've explained, and sometimes people need to move out. Maybe they just don't agree with your vision. Maybe it's just not where they want to put their energies and their talent. That is a-okay. They're going to be in their right place as well. So it was the difference between being committed individually as opposed to being committed to a team. And how do you see the difference in, you know, being a part of a team where everybody is committed to that shared vision as opposed to their own success that's where you get into the energy and the dynamism yeah because it is a joy you're excited hold me back from getting to this workplace every day right <laughs> what what mountain are we going to go take on today in that regard and it really is that's when it all clicks mm -hmm. is when yeah. you know that the person next to you is just as committed to the wild crazy idea that you've brought into the building that day then it's fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's fun. That's the word what, right there. What sort of chaos fun. are we yeah. going to go create today? Have, That's yeah. right. Absolutely. And it's fun. And you win. And then you have more fun, right? right. And it's and you, you set yeah. these examples and you just you keep building that cohesion, which is directly, you know, proportional to effectiveness and then moving on to increased performance. I love it. You know, you look at, I was looking at an article the other day about the tech industry and how 20 years ago it was, they got it they got it partially right you know they said we want fun mm -hmm. but the underpinnings of everything it takes to get to that realization they're not coffee bars they're not beanbag chairs and ping pong tables 
<laughs> right. It's, it, <clears throat> especially when your work product is still entirely individualistic. Yeah. And, and I had the opportunity to go through my master's program with a gentleman who worked in that industry. And they were uh, part of my really tight work team. And we were up till two or three o'clock in the morning for, you know, two and a half years straight. So you learn a lot about them. And many of them had individual patents. They were quite proud of it. They had multiple advanced degrees. They had no concept of how to work together. But they had coffee bars and beanbag chairs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really it boils down to people. You know, the people in it are what's going to make an organization. Yeah. but So, and, and I, I was talking to someone about this the other day, though. It's, it's kind of, so our experience we take for granted, right? right? Because what I have found working with organizations when, so we were, you know, prior military, cohesion is, is force fed. The minute that you step up, your the cohesion, the cohesion process is, is ingrained in you. And outside, honestly, outside of growing up in team sports, where do you really get that sort of dynamic? Like, there, it's a lot of, like, and we talked about this before, as at least Jen, you, you and I have, is the individual contributor, which is actually going to come up in a conversation that we're going to have on a future episode. But the individual contributor, like you mentioned earlier, stars, you get re- rewarded individually. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I've lost my train of thought because I just, you start talking about individual contributors and teams, but yeah, I just got to figure it out. Well, it's I, the whole concept of rugged individualism that America was even created on has created this culture for us as Westerners that we're sort of designed to, to can continue, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I always think of a band, you know, every person's got to be great at their, their oh, instrument. Yeah. A symphony, right? Right, but to make music, they all have to come together. It's mm-hmm. true, sure. you know. And um, then you know, it, all the great bands have always broken up because one person thought they were better than everybody else, <laughs> and they were going to break out on their own. But if you think about the success, <laughs> yeah, it's it's when they're still a band and not you know not as the individual. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know what band came to mind for you, but I'm thinking of the Eagles, you know, how many times did they break up and get back together because, and they didn't learn their lesson, but finally, you know, once poor Glenn Fry passed away a few years ago, Don Henley just said, we've, we've put a pin in it. Yeah. Right. You know, no matter how many times we agreed or disagreed without him, there will not be the Eagles. Right. So. Yeah. 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 Van Halen. And then I started thinking about Van Hagar. Van Hagar, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, where do you land on that? Are you yeah. Van Halen or Van Halen? Uh, I'm, I am a Van Halen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm a, I am a, uh, in fact. Old school dysfunction. Yeah. I like it. I am, yeah. in fact. <laughs> best book I've ever read is uh, David Lee Roth's autobiography, Crazy from the Heat. Really? If you've never read it, I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> I, will to, I will have to add if, that. If, to if my sales list. increase on Amazon, someone please let me know so I can try to figure out how I can tap into it. That's right. <laughs> best book ever, ever read. <laughs> wow. Management yeah. tools from that? Uh, absolutely no management tools. Uh, um, imagine having a conversation with that guy. He, he wrote a book the way he would probably be talking to someone. It's a million miles a minute, and it changes uh, topics probably every other sentence, but it is the guy obviously had a ton of fun in his life <laughs> and, and did what he wanted, right, and was very successful. I think that's uh, I think that has a lot to say for who he was. Sure. Yeah. How do you know when you've got good culture? 
Oh, yeah, that's a good one. When I when I see support, the visual representation of what that support looks like, when I hear the dialogue, and we understand that the individuals are looking for completeness mm. with each other, mm. and they're checking in with each other. You know, without check-ins, that people could be talking. They could have cured the silence maybe when, when you first come into the organization. Right. But if you're not hearing the quality of that connection, then I'm, I'm saying, yeah, we're not done yet. But when we are, when we're seeing people actually honestly care about the outcome and the contribution of the person who's sharing tasks with them, and that they're not focused on just that linear task list to get done before 5 p.m. every day. Yeah, there's an emotional commitment. And that's honestly what the word engagement really means when you start looking into organizational culture, is it's the emotional commitment because you believe in what it is that the company or the organization is doing, um, which is fantastic because they understand the vision, the values, and the strategy to make it happen, and they're invested. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just, you just gave me a strange ripple that I just want to share with you on that is when you said emotion. Like, I just had a, a real reaction inside because those of us who have come up through management training were all of a similar, I believe, uh, generation. Emotion was never part of what we were taught to reinforce. If anything, it was drum it right on out. It's to keep it out. Keep it out. Yeah. Keep the emotion out. Which is, It's about yeah. the work, not the emotion. Yeah. yeah. And... It's just a strange thing that now we're having to say, oh, this is what we got wrong all, all these years ago yeah. in that regard. Well, it's interesting because what we want out of, out of our team, right, is passion, which is an emotion. Yes. You know, so how can yeah. you, if you think about, you're right, coming up, you know, and I'm thinking back into the earlier, you know, generations of the military, especially when I first joined, you know, oh, if, if you were meant to have a family, they would have been issued your sea bag, <laughs> yeah. right? And and now yeah. we've come a long way from oh, that, yeah. and it's it's the whole person and their family and all of that. Sure. But you know, with emotion, um, I mean, that's we want people to be passionate about what they do. But how can you do that and keep emotion out of the workplace? You can't do you, it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah. It, yeah. it makes you no can. sense. Yeah, and you really shouldn't, right? Like I think that's a I think a great. Uh, counterattack to that right now you know and it, when when you talked about emotion and you started talking about that and it being one of those things that was drummed out in school I, I go back to my friend Mike Kelly he's adamant that you know if you're trying to push emotion out of the organization then you're wrong and that reference in and of itself goes back to a, another book by Jim Collins right good to great Absolutely. which you've already talked about a concept and that's making sure that you've got people in the right roles which he refers to as the right people the right seats on the bus right um, all concepts that are that obviously work but are so oftentimes just just disregarded they are yeah, yeah. and I think comfort as well you know yeah. comfort in people's roles Right. Knowing yeah. that your role is, is this and, and this is my part in that team, but then having the ability to play together well and overlap if we need to, but not feel like you're infringing on my territory, so to speak. And, and I've as, as I've you know left the military and kind of ventured into corporate America, it's interesting to me because in the military, it's always very much about train your replacement. And, and so we're always trying to bring someone along and train the folks coming in behind us. 
And in many of the organizations I've found, especially the dysfunctional organizations, it's more about, I don't want you to know what I know. You know, and that's (laughs) because then you're threatening my job. Yes. But the organizations that have great culture, you see them trying to mentor and bring their people along um, to be better. Absolutely. Right. And for me, in in a, in a, in a, in an organization with bad culture, information is power and currency. Yes. That is typically kept in pockets, right? And then in an organization that has good culture, it's the the Richard Branson quote, right? Like, we can develop them. What if they leave? You know, what if they stay? Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because we're, we're trained to manage behavior, but behavior is the result of the emotion that's behind it. And so I'm getting some some pretty deep ahas in our conversation right now. Yeah. So. Um, well, I think we're coming up on time. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I got the nod. We're coming up on time. There you go. <laughs> I have an innate sense of... It goes of, by uh, so fast. Yeah, like man, you it get does. going in this stuff and it's... Uh, yeah. We could keep talking and I can definitely see that... I can definitely see that we're gonna, and you're gonna be coming back because we're we're gonna see how this this fleshes out. I know this has been a process for you, and I know how invested you are in getting uh, a very good culture established, which is it's happening. A little bit ways to go. It but, is. Uh, it is. We're seeing we're seeing the progress, but yeah. you know we're two years in. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a little longer than some. I think it it probably is. Yeah. It, but it's also because of what we've all been going through since March of 2020. So yeah, absolutely. So I so I'm going to ask actually two things. So I'm sure that your your staff has has heard this before, but if you were to leave a couple of words of wisdom to your staff today, what would it be? Oh, gosh, you just stumped me on that one. Mm. The words of wisdom. Or just something that you would want them to know. I just want them to know that they are the most important piece of what the organization is. That associations are by design service. And I'm in service to them. They're in service to others. And it is a complete circle in order to bring that back together. And so the investment they make in the members is equal to the investment that the organization makes in that. Which is a perfect segue to my next question, which is if you're a real estate professional in Wilmington and the greater Cape Fear region, why Cape Fear Realtors? I believe Cape Fear Realtors is singularly focused on making sure that our 3,400 real estate professionals who are all independent business owners have the tools and the training and the know-how to deliver that piece of what is really core in our community, which is shelter, which is place, which is home. It's where your memories are made. It's where you invest. It's where the community fabric is put together. And so making sure these individuals have everything they need in order to navigate that process, you know, it is oftentimes one of the most frenetic things we all do. The buying, selling of a home, the moving, and all those other pieces, it's the largest investment we typically make at one point in time. And you need someone who's a true partner, and you want to know that they they know their stuff, they're going to navigate you through the process, they're going to be a great counselor, an advisor. And so we're focused on making sure that all of the members have that in their toolbox. So for those that aren't members and are looking for membership, what is the best way that they can do that? And how can people get in contact with you? 
Absolutely. We, we love you know, getting a chance to welcome new individuals into the business in that regard. And so many times they, they will go through a uh, pre-licensing course with one of the area schools. We don't do that part. But once they're ready to join the business, oftentimes they'll affiliate with a brokerage who's a member. And so if they're looking for information on that, uh, capefear.realtor is our website. And we have great resources there in order to point individuals in the right direction who are considering this for their career. And they can connect with you as well on the website? They can. They are, uh, the, our staff directory is up there. We even have some little videos about yeah. what we love, about what we do, and it's part of our culture and what we're doing. And so you can find that on there, and you can email me at, at ann at capefear.realtor, A-N-N-E. And, you know, we all have our direct lines on there as well. So it's a, it's a great way to get in touch with us. We're delighted when the phone rings, which doesn't happen all that often these days in offices. <laughs> Right. Uh, we're delighted. Yeah. So. Will we see a video of your fur babies on there? You will not this time, but I can tell you that they are office dogs. And if you do check carefully, um, the Labradoodle, Chewy, Chewbacca, big Star oh. Wars fan there, <laughs> oh, right? There Chewbacca. Yeah. And everybody who, meet, everybody who meets him says, yeah, he looks like a Chewy <laughs> in that regard. He's a big old beast. And uh, he is our model for the store. So oh, he, yeah. he can be found on the website periodically. Okay, there Mostly you go. social media, though. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. Well, Anne, thank you so much for being here today. I knew that we were going to learn a ton from having your wisdom and experience here. I know I learned. I've got notes. I, I took notes because that's who I am. Um, Jody, you never fail, buddy. Yeah. Glad you're my partner in crime in this. And, uh, we're obviously here for you as well as, as friends and, and colleagues. But th- and thank you very much for your time. Absolutely, let's let's make it a journey. Yes, it's a, it's a great thing, great thing that you both are doing. So, thanks for the support in your inaugural podcast. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thanks. Congratulations. Appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for watching Building Better Teams. Visit SouthernCrossCrew.com for more information on how we can help you build and sustain high-performance teams, one leader at a time.